Let's start today talking about policy. Let's talk about health care. We'll start with Obamacare. There's actually I know that at this point, many of the people in my audience no longer see Obamacare as this growth, as this sort of like wart that you could freeze off and be left with the rest of our health care system. Most of us, I think, because it's been around for 14 years at the end of the day, now see our health care system as simply having integrated elements of what is in Obamacare when it comes to pre existing conditions, when it comes to the marketplaces, etc. There are still those on the right primarily who want to get rid of Obamacare as if you could just shave it off like the little top of the carrot that many of us don't eat or whatever analogy or metaphor makes sense. I'm going to argue that that would no longer be possible. Obamacare is just part of our system. And the Washington Post reports as on the one hand, we know that Donald Trump is again promising to get rid of Obamacare in 2025, 2026. I don't know when he would do it if he becomes president again. On the other hand, Obamacare enrollment has hit a record level. There's a piece in The Washington Post by Dan Diamond. I encourage you to read it. It's quite short. And it says more than 21 million people have signed up for health care plans through the Affordable Care Act's health insurance marketplaces announced Wednesday. The record level of enrollment comes as former President Trump is vowing to repeal the program. Signups in the health insurance marketplaces, a jump of five million since last year and the third straight year of record enrollment were partly driven by states unwinding pandemic era protections in Medicaid, with millions of people culled from the safety health a safety net health program. The enrollment figures reflect an 80 percent surge in signups for the ACA since Biden took office and expanded subsidies. Now, I want to remind everybody Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are the same thing. I say that not to patronize, but because we've seen these Kafka esque videos where uh, right wingers will be asked, hey, are you in favor of or against Obamacare? And they go, oh, I'm against it's a government take Marxist. And then they go, OK, fine. And what about the Affordable Care Act? Oh, yeah, that's good. No, I'm for affordable care. That, that sounds fine. It's the same thing. And I say that just to put it on the record so we don't have any confusion, no matter who may be watching. At this point in time, we have a situation where tens of millions of people, partially thanks to Joe Biden's expansions of this program, are signing up in record numbers. And meanwhile, remember, Donald Trump wants to end this. Donald Trump posted to Troth Central a few weeks ago, quote, I don't want to terminate Obamacare. I want to replace it which much, with much better health care. Obamacare sucks. Well, he does want to terminate it. It's just that he wants to put something else in the best proposal they had for what to put in instead would have led to tens of millions of people losing health care who had it. So we need a reframe on this entire Obamacare thing. The idea of Obamacare as a standalone element is just farcical at this point in time in 2024. And remember, by the time Trump could get his hands on it, it would be 2025, maybe even later. The idea of just chopping off Obamacare as a separate and distinct entity is completely unrealistic. It's been 14 years. Obamacare provisions are completely integrated into our health care system. They have reformed insurance. They've led to expanded Medicaid in many states, states where the governors went along with it. Remember, that's the other aspect of this. There are people in red states 
huffing and puffing. Obamacare didn't do anything for me. Well, that's because your governor didn't do the Medicaid expansion that was available to them. Uh, marketplaces created rules such as insurance companies can no longer deny you coverage because of pre-existing conditions. Millions are relying on this. Imagine if you could somehow eliminate Obamacare at this point in time, the level of disruption to the healthcare system. It would affect the insurance companies. It would affect the healthcare providers. It would be absurd. And we really need to be making clear that the argument around should we or shouldn't we get rid of Obamacare? This is a decades too late argument. Any effort to dismantle the Affordable Care Act would be absurdly complex when it comes to how it would affect both providers and recipients of health care. It would face massive legislative hurdles in both the federal and state level. It would require new law. At this point, the idea that we're going to go back to the 2010 Congress and say we're canceling Obamacare, you couldn't even do that. You would need copious new legislation to do it. It would be complex. It would be contentious in any divided Congress. It is going absolutely nowhere. And by the way, if you care about the economy, if you care about economic stability for better or worse, and I think that the fact that we have a for profit health care system is a bad thing, but the Affordable Care Act also affects so many aspects of the economy, the health care industry and employment, state budgets. If you could somehow dismantle it, the economic repercussions would be so widespread. So we need more change. We need to improve the system. There have been changes made to the affordable. But by the way, another reason that going back and saying we're canceling the 2010 law, the, the reason another reason you couldn't do that is that over the last 14 years, there have been so many tweaks to the Affordable Care Act framework, many of them done under the Biden administration for the better. This includes legislative changes, executive changes. The law is even more ingrained in the health care system. So understand once again, we're it's 2016 all over again. I'll build a wall across the entire border with Mexico and Mexico will pay for it. Anyone with a, a, a shred of common sense knew that that wasn't going to happen. It is equally unrealistic for Trump to now say we're going to cancel Obamacare. However, he should still suffer the consequences of promising and wanting to do something so ridiculous. But Obamacare is now just part of our health care system. If you want to improve it, change it, whatever, we have to go forward from where we are today, not from where we were in 2010, as shocking as that may be to some people, despite apparently avoiding criminal prosecution for now, disgusting Republican Congressman Matt Gates is under House ethics investigation for allegations of trafficking underage girls for sex. This is back. Now, let me tell you what's going on, and then I will kind of clarify what, what is the difference between this and the investigation that is apparently going nowhere. The Daily Beast reports House, House ethics probe into Matt Gates zeroes in on sex trafficking. We know the we now know the ethics committee is firmly looking at the allegations that Matt Gates paid an underage teen for sex when he was twice her age. This is extraordinarily serious. 
contrast this with vague, unsubstantiated allegations of the criminal, uh, 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 what would you call it, the criminal career of Joe Biden? This is actually very serious. Investigators are zeroing in on the sex trafficking allegations against him, according to sources telling the Daily Beast. Staffers on the Ethics Committee have been reaching out to alleged witnesses to potential sex crimes, according to two sources familiar with the ethics probe. One difference between this and the Biden stuff is there are witnesses here. The panel has also been trying to obtain records from the DOJ about its investigation into Gates. Recall that prosecutors announced they decided against charging Gates in February 2023. That followed a 30 month investigation into allegations that he paid a minor to have sex with him who was half his age in 2017. Just before publication of this Daily Beast report, CNN reported that the Ethics Committee reached out to the woman Gates allegedly had sex with when she was underage. The ethics panel made contact, requested meetings with witnesses. Sources would not confirm whether any of these interviews have already occurred. So I know that many of you have uh, been following this and every once in a while I'll get an email. David, what happened? What what went on with Gates? It seemed like they really had him dead to rights. The critical question here is why did the previous criminal investigation go away? Everything we know right now is that the criminal investigation undertaken by the Department of Justice ran into a problem. And the problem was that the self-proclaimed witnesses against Gates uh, did not uh, uh, want to go forward and provide testimony. And without their testimony, there was essentially no way that prosecutions brought forward would be successful. And if they had gone forward with that prosecution and failed to uh, secure a guilty plea or a guilty verdict, then unless there was dramatic new evidence, material new evidence, they wouldn't have been able to try Matt Gates again. So that explains why the criminal investigation was sidetracked. This is a very different situation. This is an ethics investigation by the House Ethics Committee. This has a completely different uh, character and tone and makeup than a criminal investigation. The best possible outcome. And of course, remember, I'm for due process and law and order. Everything I'm saying here is depending on what the investigation finds. But if this investigation were to find that indeed Matt Gates was involved in the trafficking for sex of an underage girl or multiple girls, we don't know what we would hope for is that he'd be found in breach of house ethics and that he would then be expelled from the House of Representatives. If that were to happen, there would be the potential for, you know, if Florida elects a Democratic governor and I don't know to 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 appoint a replacement or something, I, I, it starts to get a little dicey. But the end point here, if indeed the victims participate, would be that this leads to Gates being expelled. I think there are Republicans in the House who are furious with Gates for the entire Kevin McCarthy fiasco. I don't it seems as though there are Republicans in the House that are furious with Matt Gates for what we, what he pulled with Kevin McCarthy. Um, and if that's the case, you actually may be able to get the guy expelled. But we're putting the cart before the horse. The criminal investigation did not go towards charges. We have an ethics investigation. We have what is alleged to be very credible evidence against Gates. The question is, 
Will those witnesses come forward and testify? So it's back. It's been years, I know, and I understand being skeptical that this will lead to anything. But confirmation that he is back under investigation in the House we will follow it. We'll take a quick break. After this break, Joe Biden's brutally aggressive speech in front of the United Auto Workers Union who have endorsed Biden over Trump. I'll tell you why, although it should be pretty obvious after this short break. One of our sponsors today is Deal Dash. Deal Dash buys brand new surplus items from stores and warehouses for cheap and sells them to you for cheap. And you can get some really great deals. For example, bidders have gotten PlayStation fives for just thirty eight ninety four. Here's how it works. You buy a pack of bids, let's say 30 bucks for 400 bids, and you bid on the items. Every auction starts at zero. There's no minimum. Each bid increases the price by a penny. If no one bids only 10 seconds after you bid, you win the auction. And this is the part that makes Deal Dash interesting and great. If you don't win the auction, you can still choose to buy the item for the listed price and get your bids back and use them on something else. Right now on Deal Dash, I'm bidding on this nice wintertime beanie that I'm planning to give my girlfriend as a gift. I think she'll love it. Am I right? Deal Dash has so much different, excellent stuff. You'll find something you need there for sure. And when you go to dealdash.com slash Pacman, you will get 100 free bids with your first bid pack purchase. Just use my promo code Pacman. That's dealdash.com slash Pacman for 100 free bids. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Many people in the audience know I speak multiple languages. I first learned Spanish when I was born in Argentina. Then I learned English. I learned some Hebrew in Hebrew school. I learned French in junior and high school. I am no stranger to the language learning process. And one of the most useful tools I've ever used is the app called Babbel. The way our sponsor Babbel teaches you languages truly works and it works fast. Instead of a bunch of silly quizzes and games like a lot of the other apps, Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, all of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable. They're rooted in real life situations and conversations. Everything is in bite sized 15 minute lessons that you can do in your spare time. It really sticks fast. Babbel was able to help me feel ready for my recent trip to France. I'm using Babbel to brush up on Italian and German just for fun. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University and others prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is like a full semester of language at college. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners right now. Get 55 percent off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at Babbel.com slash Pacman. Get 55 percent off at Babbel.com slash Pacman spelled B A B B E L 
dot com slash Pacman. Rules and restrictions may apply. President Joe Biden has secured an important endorsement from the United Auto Workers Union. This reported by CNBC. The UAW is indeed endorsing President Joe Biden over Trump. A very interesting speech given by the president of the UAW, Sean Fain. We're going to look at some clips here. And this is so obvious in the sense that Trump hates unions and Biden is arguably the most pro union president in the history of the United States. Biden, the only president to join an active picket line with striking workers. It would be indicative of brain damage for the UAW to endorse Trump over Biden as if we needed an explanation. Here is Sean Fain giving a speech in D.C. Biden speaking after Sean Fain. Let's listen. UAW family today, I'm proud to stand up here with your international executive board and announce that the UAW is endorsing Joe Biden for president of the United States. And why on earth wouldn't they? Right. During this boisterous speech, Sean Fain calling Donald Trump a scab billionaire who represents billionaires. Donald Trump is a scab. Donald Trump is a billionaire, and that's who he represents. If Donald Trump ever worked in an auto plant, he wouldn't be a UAW member. He'd be a company man trying to squeeze the American worker. Remember that wild incident where Trump went to a non-union plant, attacked unions, had non-union members holding up signs that said union members for Trump. The entire thing was an imaginary staged managed event. Sean Fain didn't forget about that. Now, here's what Trump did to help the American auto worker in our 2023 historic stand up strike. Now that he's running for president, right? He went to a non-union plant invited by the boss and trashed our union. That's right. And here is what Joe Biden did during our stand up strike. He heard the call. And he stood up and he showed up. I don't think it's an exaggeration at this point to say Joe Biden is the most pro union president at minimum in the modern pol- political era, if not of all time. And you can say, I wish Joe Biden were more progressive. I wish Joe Biden had done more on health care or cannabis or student loan debt relief. If you look at this objectively, I can't think 
of a more pro union president, of a president more supportive of organized labor than Joe Biden. Joe Biden addressed the UAW workers yesterday and uh, making this very clear, right? As if any of us didn't know about his view on unions. To my dad, all anyone wants is just a fair shot, just a fair shot, an even shot to be able to make it. That's what my economic plan is all about. That's what the UAW is all about. That's what the, your battle has been about. The days of working people being dealt out of the deal are over in this country as long as I'm president. Working people are going to get their fair share. You've earned it. You fought for it. And you deserve it. So today, I want to say to all of you, thank you. Thank you. I could not be more proud or more honored. Meanwhile, Trump hates unions. A funny moment from Joe Biden's speech. He uh, mentioned how there are constant reports that under Biden, a recession, a disaster is just imminent. And yet we continue to get great economic news. By the way, as we were recording today, 3.3 percent annualized GDP growth last quarter and year over year inflation down to 2.7 percent. We are now in the we can no longer say inflation is elevated. We are in the target range of two to three percent. And yet the doom and gloom predictions continue from the right and Joe Biden pointing that out. We all do well. It's called Bidenomics. If you notice all the major all the major economists who are talking about is going to be a recession next week, next month. But all of a sudden they're seeing the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and and many of them are saying the Lord is Trump. In other words, no longer able to argue the stock market is in a depression. It's all terrible. The new line from the right is fine. The indicators look pretty good, but they look good because of the expectation that Donald Trump is going to be president starting uh, 14, 15 months from now. It's quite a situation. And then finally, Joe Biden also addressing the sick and cynical nature of Trump saying saying he hopes there is a recession because it would play into his political benefit. I came to office. By the way, the last guy said he's looking for he's hoping for a recession. <laughs> because he does not want to be the next Herbert Hoover. He's already Herbert Hoover. He's the only president other than Herbert Hoover who lost jobs when he was president. And of course, that is correct. Coronavirus certainly significantly to blame for the job losses seen under Donald Trump. So the most obvious endorsement you could imagine, Trump hates unions, Biden, the most pro union president we've had. The UAW says we're endorsing Biden. That didn't stop Fox News from trying to say, well, why not? Why not Trump? Neil Cavuto invited UAW President Sean Fain on his program yesterday. This was after Sean Fain at a meeting of the UAW said we endorse Joe Biden. Joe Biden spoke. And if you think about political endorsements, it's hard to, to think of a more obvious endorsement when you look at Trump's anti-union views. And when you consider Joe Biden getting out there on the picket line, supporting striking workers, the most pro union worker, uh, pro union president I can ever remember. 
didn't stop Neil Cavuto from saying, listen, you could have endorsed Trump. Why didn't you? And Sean Fain did not hold back. Could have considered Donald Trump. You did not. Why not? Uh, well, I mean, you know, if you look at just the, the facts and the, the body of work of, of both candidates and, you know, uh, both of them in their own words, uh, nowhere in history has Donald Trump ever stood for the American worker. Um, he stands against pretty much everything that we stand for. So it's that simple. I mean, listen, uh, you you don't even need to have a deep conversation. You just pull quotes of things Trump has said about unions and the stunts he's pulled. And then you pull quotes and you pull actions from Joe Biden about unions. How is it even a choice? And of course, the framing of this entire interview is the biased unions who support Democrats. Well, listen, it's the Democrats who are in, uh, uh, disproportionately supporting the rights of workers to bargain collectively. It is Republicans who are against that. Why on earth would a union shoot itself in the foot? What was it? Uh, DeSanctis called it uh, ballistic podiatry. Why would they do that when it's obvious the way the cake is iced? Here's one more clip. And Sean Fain goes through the list of of, of Trump standing against workers. Oh, uh we uh, had to look at a lot of things and overall, you know, we just had our, our contract fight uh, with the big three and uh, our, our most successful contract in history. And, uh, you know, uh, President Biden was standing, stood there with us on the picket line, you know, unlike President Trump back in 19 when GM was on strike for 40 days and he was completely non-existent um, and silent on the issue. Um, you know, I can go down through the list of things, uh, the difference in the candidates, but uh, it's very clear to us uh, who stands with working class people in this country and who uh, stands against them. You know, um, your counterpart of the Teamster, Sean O'Brien, has met with uh, Donald Trump and, of course, the president, all the major candidates when they were still in the race. You opted not to go that route. Uh, and I'm just curious as to why. Well, you look at the body of work. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak for President O'Brien, but I will speak for the UAW. and. Sure. Uh, in 2008, 2009, the economic recession, Donald Trump blamed the workers for what was wrong with these companies. You know, in 2015, he talked about doing a rotation of good paying jobs in the Midwest, somewhere where they'd pay less and have people begging for their jobs back at lower wages. Yep. You know, in 19, uh, also in 15, uh, when Volkswagen workers voted to organize, um, he put an LRB in place that uh, killed the organizing, killed the organizing uh, the contract for those workers. Um, you know, in, in 19, when he was president, he didn't support the strike. He told workers at Lordstown. To Neil Cavuto, by the way, increasingly uncomfortable with this list. Assembly plant, which was closing, don't sell your houses. And then he did nothing to support them, you know, versus versus President Biden, who in 2023, when a plant was going to close in Belvedere, Illinois for Stellantis, he stood with those workers. He helped us save a community and helped bring not one plant, but two plants back to life. And he stood with our members on the picket line in our fight for economic justice. The difference couldn't be more stark. And it's almost surprising that Neil Cavuto, you know, I, I would more expect that Fox News and similar media would just say unions are terrible, not why are the unions biased towards Biden? Why didn't they endorse Trump? I would expect because it's just par for the course that Trump attacks unions and hates organized labor. I would expect them to just attack the very institution of organized labor. So an important endorsement for Joe Biden. 
endorsements in general are not the most important thing at this point in time. A relatively small percentage of the workforce in the United States is even union uh, labor. But all of that being said, yet another data point in which, you know, it's gotten popular to say, well, Biden's wealthy, too. He's got eleven million dollars or whatever it is that he's worth. Trump is not only dramatically wealthier, which is not a pro or a con, but if your argument is that wealthy people are disconnected from labor, by definition, Trump must be way more disconnected. Even, I mean, listen, I know he's not as rich as he claims to be, but I think he's probably a billionaire, if not close to it, if we're if we're honest. If that is a factor, Trump's even more disconnected from labor. But more importantly, just look at the track record. Look at the track record of how Trump has dealt with organized labor as a business person for decades and look at how Joe Biden has dealt with organized labor through his decades in public office. And who else are the te uh, Teamsters or UAW or whoever? It's abundantly clear that Biden's their guy. Let's take a break. We have so much more coming up today. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash the David Pakman show. Data brokers are constantly collecting huge amounts of information about what you do online, your address, phone number, email, financial info, even your political affiliation, and they sell that information to other companies. The FBI will sometimes even buy data in bulk to get information about Americans without a warrant. Your ex-girlfriend, your boss, anyone out there can use the publicly available data on search sites to find information about you. It's super easy. And worst of all, these data broker systems get hacked all the time, which really puts your data at risk, which is why you can end up getting scam calls and emails and the whole thing. The solution to all of this is our sponsor Incogni. Incogni sends data removal requests to all major data brokers who are required by law to remove the information upon request. If any of the information stays online, Incogni will follow up about removal and Incogni keeps you updated with details every step so you know what's going on and when the info is removed. What Incogni can accomplish is amazing. I use it myself. Go to incogni.com slash Pacman and you'll get 60% off with the code Pacman. That's I-N-C-O-G-N-I dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The link is in the podcast notes. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it really should be simple, simple. That's why for years now I've been drinking AG one every day. It's just one scoop mixed with water once a day, and it gives me the foundational nutritional elements I want for the whole day. Each serving of AG one gives me what I want in terms of vitamins, minerals and more. It's just a simple habit. I know that with AG one, I'm getting high quality nutrition. The ingredients are sourced for nutrient density and absorption. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG one, try AG one and get a free one year supply of vitamin D three and K two plus five free AG one travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash Pacman. That's drink a G the number one dot com slash Pacman for free vitamin D three and K two and five free travel packs of AG one 
The link is in the podcast notes. Today, we'll be speaking with Simon Rosenberg, who's a veteran Democratic strategist who writes and oversees the Hopium Chronicles newsletter and community on Substack. Simon, great to have you on. Uh, I, I want to start with maybe something we don't need to spend a lot of time on if we agree. I see no path for Nikki Haley to the Republican nomination. Do you see it any other way? Um, I think Trump's likely to win, but I also think that we shouldn't, given how crazy everything is, we shouldn't really rule out that her campaign could end up being significant. The way that she's addressing Trump, the disrespect that she's showing him, the fact that she's not bending the knee is important because it makes him look weak. I mean, it's part of the reason he's freaking out. I mean, he expected her to to capitulate on Tuesday night. When she didn't do it, he kind of lost his marbles. And he, you know, and so this is going, this could end up becoming a little bit more interesting than I think we all expected. And we just have to be open-minded that in this era of Trump, strange things can happen that are, that we can't really uh, anticipate. I don't think she's going to win, but I think she could cause him a lot of trouble. What about the idea on Haley of sticking it out because I don't know, maybe something happens between between now and yeah. the convention and Republicans say, I don't know, this guy's going to be in prison or something. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things, right? One is the Supreme Court could actually bar him from running for reelection. I mean, that's not out of the realm of the possibility. I mean, the, the, the legal experts think the case is pretty cut and dry. I mean, the court is probably going to wiggle their way out of it, but this is not out of the realm of possibility. The second thing is as she pointed out, Super Tuesday is full of states that have either open primaries or semi-open primaries, meaning that independents and even Democrats can vote. And given that we don't have a Democratic primary, it means that she has an audience she can speak to on Super Tuesday in early March. And so I think there is a logic for her in her campaign to stay in and see what she can do. So I, I think, look, she's in general, she has outperformed expectations, I think, in this campaign. I think her, she's gotten, she's very comfortable on the stump right now. And she's more comfortable skewering Trump than almost any politician we've seen in the Trump era. And I think it's really important. She's creating language and space for many people who are dissatisfied with him to go. Um, and that I think could end up becoming a meaningful part of how we win in 2024. Do you agree that the longer she stays in, the better it is for Joe Biden in November? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as long as she doesn't win the primary, you know, and um, and I think it's unlikely. But again, I you know, listen, I, I think that what she's doing is she's she's reminding all of us that the emperor has no clothes. Right. The Donald Trump of 2024 is not the Donald Trump of 2016, 2020. He's far weaker, far more degraded, far more dangerous, far more extreme. His performance on the stump is far more unhinged and erratic and 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 um, and and, uh, and and struggling than it was. He's making enormous political errors, like coming out against the ACA, doing interviews where he's taking credit for ending Roe. The kind of mistakes that he's making on the stump are the kind of mistakes that politicians who lose make because they can't they can't claw them back. Coming out against the ACA has not been getting a lot of attention, but it's this is, you know, coming out for stripping tens of millions of people of their health care was a central reason why we did so well in the 2018 midterm elections. And so he's he is not the same candidate. He's not strong. He's weak. He's degraded. He's delusional. He's and he's really struggling on the stump. I mean, they 
had in Iowa a very low turnout for Donald Trump. If he was the world beater and exciting the Republican base, they would have had much higher turnout. And in New Hampshire, he he ended up getting about 10% less than the public polls were calling for. So the early warning signs about this Trump, this Trump candidacy are out there for all who want to see it. And it's another reason why I'm very optimistic about what we can do in 2024. So let's now talk about the general election on the assumption yeah. that it is Biden versus uh, Donald Trump yeah. in September. People would write to me, they'd say, David, look at some of these hypothetical polls. Biden's losing. And I would say, listen, it's September. Let's look at these in January, February, March. It's now January, almost February. And yeah. in some of the polls, Biden's doing OK. In some of them, he is not. Yeah. I still tend to think that if the economy when the economy looks like it looks today, in general, presidents get reelected, historically speaking, very generally yeah. speaking, a lot of differences this time around. But that's a very 30,000 foot view. Yeah. How concerned are you when you see Trump plus four, Trump plus three, five in these yeah. polls? Yeah, look, I, I think we're not where we want to be. I don't think that's any big surprise. I think that um, part of it has to do with the fact that they're having an election and we're not. And so their voters election, whereas our voters are thinking about literally an election right now. So I'm not really so too when the red wave didn't come. The polling's not all pointing in um, that, you know, we, as I pointed out in my Substack, in the last couple of weeks, we've had polls in New Hampshire, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, where Biden is running above his 2020 numbers. Right. And so there are, if you want to look at all the polling, right, there's a lot of actually very good polls for Joe Biden. There's a lot of not so good polls for Joe Biden. I think we learned in 2022 not to center our understanding about American politics around polling, choppy polling that's not all pointing in the same direction. My view as a strategist is this, that Joe Biden's a good president. The country's better off. He has a very strong case for reelection. And I can see our path for victory. I don't know how you put lipstick on the Trump pig. I don't know how you make that guy now who he is look like a serious candidate for president again. And so projecting everything forward into 2024, I'm very optimistic about our opportunities and chances. I, I want to talk a little bit about so-called voter rejection of these candidates. I get messages and see discussions on our subreddit and, and elsewhere of people who say, David, young people are really upset with Biden over Gaza. Uh, this other contingent is upset with Biden over this other thing. And I say, I believe that. OK, I believe that those folks exist. I then see New Hampshire exit polls. Thirty five percent of Republicans will not vote for Trump if that's who's on the ballot in New yeah. Hampshire, et cetera. Yeah. While acknowledging that there are always disaffected Biden yeah. people, it's hard for me to think that the voter rejection on the Biden side is going to be bigger than what it looks like it may be on the Trump side. Am I my instinct wrong very... on that? No, it's a very sophisticated point, and it really is actually the most important takeaway from what's happened in the last couple of weeks, which is that we are seeing in polling now stuff that I don't know that we've seen in decades, which is that there is a large contingent of Republicans who are saying they're going to vote for Biden. These are Republican primary voters, right? These are not just general Republicans, right? You know, this is not the big Republican electorate. These are the intense voters who showed up in a low turnout primary. And in New in the Iowa, 43% of Haley voters said they were going to vote for Biden in the general election. There was similar data in New Hampshire. We've never seen anything like this. There's never been a sizable audience in one party ready to go vote for the other party in the general election. This is incredibly dangerous 
data, far more dangerous to your point than anything we've seen on our side. Look, a big some of our coalition has wandered from us, right? We we know that. We're still 10 months out. I think a big chunk of it will come home once the election is clearly Trump and Biden in the next few months. And then we've got a campaign to go back and get everybody else and hopefully even get go beyond it. And so I'm not really worried about where things are. Every campaign has assets and liabilities. Every campaign's got challenges. It's the nature of the beast. Building these large coalitions to get over 50% is really hard. I mean, most other political systems, you win with 35%, right? We have to build a majority coalition in the election, not in the government afterwards, which is the way that most governments around the world work. And so it's it's hard. And there's going to be bumps along the way. I will say that I think the impact of Israel, the war in Israel, Hamas, and Biden's handling of it is a little exaggerated, in my view. If you look at the Economist YouGov poll, the most recent one, they asked 18 to 29-year-olds their most important issue. And the number of 18 to 29-year-olds in that poll who picked foreign policy was zero, hmm. right? And and that's because what matters, what will matter more to the average young person come November is going to be what happens in every election is that the economy and healthcare and these kind of bread and butter issues always are the dominant issues with very few exceptions. I mean, the Iraq war was one, but American troops were dying and we were losing the war. We're not in a similar analogous position in my view right now. And so I think that this is we've got work to do with young people, right? Young people feel distant to Biden, um, but we have a good agenda to sell to them. And I, and I think the Republicans offer them nothing. And so I'm pretty confident that during as this campaign turns on and we go into full engagement with Trump, you know, we've got a strong case to make to all elements of our coalition and even to independents. And I'm excited the campaign is ratcheting up. We got to get going. I want to talk a little bit about third party. And I guess mostly we're yeah. talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., although maybe we're talking yeah. about Cornell West. I don't know. The way I've seen this story kind of go was when it looked like Kennedy as a Democratic challenger to Biden was bad for Biden. Fox News and right wing media gave him a ton of oxygen. <laughs> All of a sudden he says, I'm independent. It looks like he pulls as much for Trump as Biden. He's been barely heard from again on Fox News <laughs> and elsewhere in, 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 and in general. However, in polling, when you look at these hypotheticals where it's head to head Trump, Biden, and then you add Kennedy, he seems to have either uh, sort of like no effect or he he maybe pulls one more point from Biden than he does from Trump. So maybe there is a little bit of an effect there. So in polling, in, in real campaign polling, not in media polls that are consumed by the public, what you do in real polling is you do what's called an initial ballot test and you check and see where everybody is. And then you have an, then you inform the electorate about the two candidates or the three candidates. And then you do a check on the other end. And, you know, my I promise you, I promise you that if we had an informed ballot test with Kennedy, his numbers would plummet. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is that no one is actually informing voters about what he really stands for. He's this sort of hypothetical third party alternative. But like what happens in our business, right? Once you start informing people about things, and I think, for example, there's a lot of information that people don't have about Trump that they didn't have. There's a lot of information about Trump they didn't have in 2020. And I'll just go through this really quickly because I think people don't really understand what we have in our arsenal that we're going to be able to use in the next few months. I mean, mm -hmm. what we know about Trump today that we didn't know before is that he raped E. Jean Carroll in a dressing room in a department store. 
a jury of his peers determined that. It's not just me saying that, but a jury determined that, that he has committed decades long financial fraud um, and New York State is asking for $380 million in penalties and fines, of which they'll probably get 150 to 200 million in the next few weeks. Third is that the Colorado Supreme Court determined that he committed insurrection against the United States and should be barred from the ballot. And part of the reason this case is so serious in the Supreme Court is that Trump has made it clear that he is going to end American democracy if he is uh, in the White House next year. And so these political crimes he's committed against the country are continuing. They're not something just in the past. Fourth is that he stole secrets from the United States, was arrested for it, lied to the FBI about it, and it may and shared it with other people. This may be the greatest national security breach in the history of the United States. Fifth, his family has taken more money from foreign governments than any family in American political history. And then finally, he is singularly responsible for ending Roe and stripping the rights and freedoms away of more than half the population. It's my view that when we introduce all six of those things to the American people, Donald Trump will not get elected president in 2024, regardless of all the various circumstances, because he is the most unfit man to run for president in our history. And it's time we start bluntly describing this to the public. We owe it to the American people for them to know and understand who he is now, because he is not the same candidate that he was in 2020. We've been speaking with Simon Rosenberg, veteran Democratic strategist. Check out the Hopium Chronicles newsletter, which we will link to. Uh, Simon, really appreciate your time and your insights today. Thanks for your good work, David. Appreciate the opportunity to be here today. When you log into your Google or Facebook account, these companies have your IP address, which is valuable to them, because when you do all of your other browsing online, almost every site on the Web is sending your IP address and browsing activity back to those big tech companies so they know what you do across the Internet. The only solution is to hide your IP address while you're online using a VPN. I use private Internet access, the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court. They do not log your activity. Private Internet access is optimized for streaming and for large downloads. You can access content on streaming platforms like Netflix. That's normally only available in other countries. Private Internet access now has 91 country servers to pick from and new dedicated IP locations. It also comes with their built in ad and malware blocker called Mace which blocks virtually all pop ups. Private Internet access is giving my audience 83 percent off, comes out to two oh three a month plus four extra months for free. Go to piavpn.com dot com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. Panic is quickly growing among right wing media about the Trump cognitive decline story going mainstream. Now, I know that we've been on this story for a while. I know that many of you have said, David, it's very obvious what's going on. Psych nurses of leaving voicemails, uh, neurologists, et cetera. We we've been aware of this for a while. But now with Nikki Haley even making a big deal of publicizing the fact that Trump was so disoriented at that rally where he said she Nikki Haley was in charge of capital security on January 6th. Now that Eric Trump is being asked about it and short circuiting and spitting out technically words, but they didn't make any sense when an ABC news host asked him about it. Now, Fox News and the MAGA right are having to run interference because they know that there's a big risk to this story getting even more attention, which it is getting. 
We start with Kevin Walling, a former Biden campaign surrogate on Fox News. He points out there's cognitive concern about Trump. It's that simple. And the hosts just attack and make it seem like he's crazy for even suggesting this. We're going to have a replay of what we saw in 2020. And there's a lot of concerns, actually, that I've seen now recently with Donald Trump on the stuff. You cannot right? compare the two. Absolutely. We can. You know, check out Kaylee Maganani's panic here. That's right. He said he won New Hampshire in the general election. He lost it to Hillary Clinton. Lost it to Joe Biden by seven points. You right? cannot he compare the up, two. Haley, he mixed Polling up Nikki Haley. He mixed up Nikki, say, Nikki no. Haley and Nancy Pelosi for minutes on end in a speech and came back to it. So there are a lot of verbal miscues. There's a lot of gaps between these two men. Two thirds of the American people problem. think that President Biden is too old. They do not say that about Donald Trump. So a you can say this. People, you can make this argument. People, you can though, skew the DNC talking as, points. It's not as high as Joe Biden. But a majority of people feel the same way about Donald Trump. As you can see the Fox hosts literally talking over each other and the guest to try to say, no, 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 Trump's fine. Everything's completely fine. Here is more panic from Kaylee McEnany on this issue. In all due respect, this is called projection. We know that age is a vulnerability for the president. We have fresh sound bites every single week. We could fill the entirety of this hour. Take me off. I'll go into the other room. We could fill the entirety of the hour with stumbles and fumbles and mishaps. And we knew the second that Donald Trump became the presumptive nominee, you guys would flip it and try to press age upon President Trump. But the problem is two thirds of the American people say Biden is too old. He doesn't have mental acuity. And it's the exact converse when it comes to President Trump. People see a former strong executive. They'll make the decision ultimately. But I mean, just good luck with the projection. Fox News realizes what's going on. They see it. They see that ABC is asking about it. They see that Eric Trump has no good answers. He when he was asked about it, he goes, my father's an amazing man. He's just an incredible guy. He's just an, just an incredible, incredible guy. They are short circuiting and they don't know what to do. So this is what they are doing. Hours later, the same topic came up on Hannity's show. I don't know. This seems like a different Hannity set. I don't know if this is a different Hannity show or whatnot. Hannity has, among others, Jessica Tarlov on. Jessica Tarlov is like the lone liberal voice on The Five, another Fox News program. And Hannity tries to push Biden cognitive decline. And Jessica Tarlov does a great job of saying, dude, have you seen Trump regularly disoriented about everything going on? Take a look at this. And she does a very good job here. Oh, Biden is a cognitive mess. You agree? No, <laughs> you don't agree with that. No, not I at all. No, I, I certainly think that he has slowed down from 2020. Just slowed down a little. Yeah. I, you want to talk? You want to talk cognitive decline? Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll brought my own montage. Nikki Haley mixed up with Nancy Pelosi one time and a guy. So Hannity knows the direction she's going to go. He tries to excuse it ahead of time, but it doesn't work. Speak for five hours straight without making a mistake. Just There's rambling no is not speaking for five hours straight, including things like, <laughs> look what happens when I put magnets in water and when I beat you Obama like in 2016. No, don't I don't want... sound like fake chapter. I, I sound like real Jessica Tarla. <laughs> and it's not a small thing. If Joe Biden had confused yeah. Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi, so they have in common the first letter of their names and he that they're both not the had an effective. Uh, he has not had an incident free speech or appearance where he either. Did, actually. I think he's talking about Trump here, isn't he? Bumbles and stumbles speech. Or, they or hide somebody him has to escort him stage left or stage right because he has no clue where they, to they go. They hide him in the press. They don't let him speak to reporters. That's, they keep right. him on a very short leash 
for a reason. And if, that's going to be something that you're going to have to deal with when five. it comes if, to the nominee. If you guys think that people are sitting at home and watching Donald Trump talk about Joe Biden's going to get us into World War II, or I need an ID to buy a loaf of bread, or that we're going to buy... Actually, this is all <laughs> intentional. I'm trying to throw you off the scent. The man is bragging you, about passing you know, Kaylee, a test let me throw this that to you Kaylee, need to pass when you have brain damage. I find this amazing. Joe Biden has been a cognitive mess, and almost every night I play tapes on this show, and then there's three mistakes of Donald Trump. And boy, Fair and balanced. Three mistakes per speech. Now, the guy that aced a real cognitive test. Go ahead. You the, can... the bottom line is the assessment of the American people. When you look at any poll, Suffolk, you say today, it doesn't matter the poll. NBC, ABC, two-thirds do All right, not. So Kaylee goes back to her same line from earlier where, listen, more people are concerned about Biden than Trump. Uh, the question is, of the people that are concerned about each of them, whose vote is going to be affected by that concern? And Jessica Tarlov does a good job. This is hitting right wing media more and more because it is going mainstream. It's also wildly triggering to Donald Trump that Nikki Haley's focusing on it. Let's talk about that next. Whether it's too little, too late or not, I believe Joe Biden benefits from Nikki Haley now regularly going after Trump for his cognitive decline. Nikki Haley did it again yesterday and it wildly triggered Donald Trump. I think Nikki Haley is smart to do this. I don't think it's going to help her win. I think it's too little too late. But the more chaos there is, the more that even other Republicans are raising questions about Trump's cognition, the better it is for Joe Biden. Here's Nikki excuse me, here's Nikki Haley yesterday, and then we will hear uh, or see Trump's reaction to this. So we got out there and we did our thing and we said what we had to say. And then Donald Trump got out there and just threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> he pitched a fit. He was he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened and he should. Trump hates being called insecure because he's so insecure. Feel threatened, without a doubt. You know, it's interesting because a few days ago, he was going on and on about me. I mean, for a while. On and on about why I didn't send in security to the Capitol on January 6th. Trump hates that he's calling her bird brain. He's insulting her. He has Vivek and Tim Scott all making fun of her. And she just comes out and goes this insecure dude. His brain is failing. His brain is failing. He said it over and over and over and over again. I mean, somebody's got to tell him I wasn't there on January 6th. I've never been at the Capitol working in a job like that, but I think he was a bit confused. And so we'll let that pass. But the thing is, you look at what's happening and out of everything that he said in his rant, he didn't talk about the American people once. Right now, what was Trump's reaction to Nikki Haley doing this? Trump just explosively triggered on Truth Social continuing with the attacks and threatening Nikki Haley's donors. Listen to this Trump quote. Nikki Birdbrain Haley is very bad for the Republican Party and indeed our country. Her false statements, derogatory comments and humiliating public loss is demeaning to true American patriots. 
Her anger should be aimed at her third rate political consultants and more importantly, crooked Joe Biden and those that are destroying our country, not the people who will save it. I knew Nikki well. She was average at best, is not the one to take on world leaders, and she never did. That was up to me. And that is why they respected the United States. Th these are all lies, by the way. When I ran for office and won, I noticed that the losing candidates donors would immediately come to me and want to help out. This is standard in politics, but no longer with me. Here's the threat. Anybody that makes a quote contribution to bird brain from this moment forth will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. We don't want them and we will not accept them because we put America first and always will. This is a very dangerous strategy for Donald Trump. Tomorrow on the show, I'm going to address the claim from some on the left that Biden has lost more voters than Trump over the last four years. I don't believe that's true. Trump is in a situation where 35 percent of New Hampshire Republicans said I wouldn't vote for Trump on the ballot in November. That's a disaster. Trump is overtly hostile to the supporters of Nikki Haley and other Republicans unless and until they go and kiss the ring for Trump and then everybody's friends again. This is a very risky thing for Trump to do. The math proves it and we will talk about it more tomorrow. A random MAGA was kicked out of Trump's victory party in New Hampshire because he exposed that Alina Habba had clearly been lying about supposed COVID exposure, COVID symptom or whatever. This is a really bonkers story. OK, let me see if I can explain this. This isn't the biggest story, but it is very funny. Daily Beast reports ex Trump aide booted from victory party after photo with Alina Habba. What's going on? Dylan Quattrucci posted a photo with Trump lawyer Alina Habba just one day after she effectively called in sick to Trump's defamation trial. Let's look at the pictures. First picture here is Dylan Quattrucci posts to Twitter picture with Alina Habba just arrived at Trump's New Hampshire primary victory party and ran into the wonderful Alina Habba. Alina is President Trump's rock star attorney and a huge inspiration of mine. Moments later, Dylan Quattrucci posts, I was just kicked out of the Trump victory party for no reason. I was standing there speaking with other Trump supporters when I was asked to leave and pushed out of the venue. This is how they treat loyalty. What is this all about? Well, the Daily Beast believes that it knows. The photo that was posted was problematic for Habba, and by extension, Dylan Quattrucci, uh, who was Trump's deputy state director in New Hampshire, because just a day earlier, Habba effectively asked a judge to delay the proceedings in Trump's E. Jean Carroll defamation trial because she was feeling unwell. After a juror called in sick, Habba told the judge, Lewis Kaplan, that her parents tested positive for COVID and that despite testing negative, she was experiencing symptoms. The judge had offered to continue with eight jurors, but Habba declined. She said she was feeling feverish and blah, blah, blah. So what is this about? What is going on here? Is it that Alina Habba was lying because she wanted to go to New Hampshire for Trump's victory party? Or is it that she's not lying and she went to the victory party anyway, exposing all sorts of people to what maybe is covid if she hadn't yet tested positive? It doesn't really matter because either way, she's a despicable person, which we already knew. 
it was one or the other. Either Alina Habba was actually feeling fine, uh, but just didn't want trial so that she could be in New Hampshire with Trump or she was just going around spreading whatever she had. Maybe it was covid. Maybe it wasn't. And of course, who ends up being punished for the deception and the dishonesty of others? It's always random people. In this particular case, it's Dylan Quattrucci kicked out for posting a picture with Trump's lawyer. We have a voicemail number that you can call if you have anything you'd like to communicate to me. Here is a caller who called 219 to David P and is really dressing me down, explaining that I just don't have a clue about anything. Joe Biden is just like you. You're both fake news and you don't even have a clue about Hunter Biden's insurrection things that he's done with China. I didn't know Hunter Biden was involved in the insurrection. That's I guilty as charged, sir. I don't have a clue about that. Or why did Joe Biden get the prosecutor fired from the Ukraine? I don't have a clue about that because that didn't happen. Because Hunter Biden was involved with his daddy's business dealings. We have no evidence of that. And remember, the entire community, the Obama administration, allies elsewhere wanted Victor Shokin fired for corruption. Wasn't Biden going at? I think I'll get this guy fired because it's useful to Hunter Biden. No evidence of that whatsoever. They get money from other countries, but you are fake news. Oh, and you need to be off of YouTube. And I will be glad when they suspend your channel from YouTube. Right. You are such a sucker. You need to be out of YouTube. Get off now. Get, get. Okay, I will. May, I'll consider it. I'll con listen. By all accounts, the show has been circling the drain for years, so we'll probably be done very soon. On the bonus show today, we are going to talk about allegedly leaked tapes. Was Carrie Lake telling the truth? Did someone really come to her to bribe her out of politics? She certainly implied it was a Democrat. If we are to believe the latest version of the story, it was actually a Republican. We will discuss who are the most likely choices to be Donald Trump's vice presidential running mate in 2024. And we will also chat about John Stewart coming back to The Daily Show for a few months as host and executive producer. I haven't seen The Daily Show in what feels like a decade. Will I go back to watching it? All of those stories and more on the bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. We will see you then.